Buckle up, everyone. You are strapped in and ready for the Insurance Hour with me, your host, Carl Sussman, the resource to help you navigate the world of insurance. There is a lot of misunderstanding about what insurance is and what insurance isn't. Let me help you demystify insurance and have some fun while we're at it. Informing, educating, and entertaining Californians one policy at a time. This is Insurance Hour. Hello, hello there. This is Carl Sussman with the Insurance Hour. Thanks so much for joining me today. As always, I am glad that you're here and you want to learn and you want to understand what's going on with your insurance policies. And let's face it, these days there is so much going on that there is uh, no shortage of topics. So, of course, the phone lines are open at 559-656-0317. Or you can, of course, always email at questions at insurancehour.com. If you happen to call while we're recording live, I'll put you on the air and we'll talk about it. If you happen to call after the fact, don't worry. Uh, you can leave a voicemail and tell me in the voicemail if you'd like to be on the air or if you would prefer just to have me answer your question and I will do whatever you would prefer. All right. Now, while we're waiting for calls, I thought what we would do today is go over some basic coverage types for auto insurance because let's face it, we... We, almost all of us, have auto insurance. Most of us live in states where it's mandatory to have at least liability insurance, which is one component of auto insurance. So I thought, why don't we start from the beginning? Why don't we assume nothing? Why don't we assume that really no one is aware of anything at this point and and just work through it, right? Just do our thing and explain what the different coverage types are on your policy. So if you want to, sounds like school, if you would like to read along, if you want to work along with us, it's probably a good idea. Pull up a copy of your policy. Uh, if you're old school, you might have an actual paper copy of it. If you don't, then uh, open the PDF into what's called the deck sheet, okay, which is short for declaration sheet. Now, this is the page that actually differentiates your insurance, your auto insurance policy from everyone else's. See, there's an actual insurance policy, then there's the declaration sheet. The insurance policy is the actual policy. It explains what triggers coverage, what types of coverage definitions are, a lot of the things that we're going to be talking about today. Keep in mind, I'm going over this in general terms. Every auto insurance policy might have specific changes or little tweaks that are different than what I'm talking about. The declaration sheet is what you attach, in essence, or it's the front page of the policy, right? That'll take it and make that the first page. And that makes the policy customized for you, right? So in the actual policy, it might say the vehicle. The, decora the declaration sheet would say 2022 Honda Accord, right? So the declaration sheet is really critical because without that, um, we have no way of really identifying you as the insured person, right? Or you as having an actual policy for that matter. So keep in mind that when you're looking at your insurance policy, there are really two main parts to look at. There is the auto declaration sheet. By the way, it's the same with other types of policies, but we're just sticking with auto today. And the actual policy. They're separate documents. And again, the auto policy is the same for everybody. If I'm with the same insurance company, I'm going to get the same policy 99% of the time that you're going to get. I say 99% because there might have been a change to the policy. You might be on an older policy term and not renewed yet. So I always try and quantify that, right? So when you're looking at your declaration sheet, you're going to see different limits, different coverages, and different numbers on there. The first thing you want to do when you look at your declaration sheet is look for the insured or the named insured. This is going to list, hopefully, your name, right? And it's going to list your address. Depending on the insurance declaration sheet, it may or may not also show um, garaging address, right? You might have the, the actual policy and your home address, but the vehicle might be garaged somewhere else. So there might be a breakdown there. You might have a billing address that could be separate. So take a peek there, but make sure that you're able to find yourself, right? You want to be able to first identify that this declaration sheet actually matches you, right? It's got your name on it. Things happen, right? I mean, it's entirely possible that uh, somebody might come along and by an accident, uh, send the wrong policy out. And all of a sudden you're driving around one day, you get pulled over by some uh, police officer and they say, let me see proof of your insurance. And you pull it out and you're like, that's not me. 
So always have a double double look and be sure that the policy that you actually get is yours. Okay. So the first thing you're going to notice is your name. You should be able to see that. You should also find something that says effective date, right? Now, this basically is your version of when the policy begins and when the policy ends. And there will be a date and usually a time. And the time is usually 12.01 a.m. So look for that. Some policies will last for six months. Some policies will last for a year. There are even some bond policies that will last multiple years. So it just depends. Be aware. You don't want to be assuming your policy is good for a year based on the price or who knows what. And only to look at the deck sheet and say, oh my goodness, this is actually a six-month policy. So take the time. Make sure that you find the effective dates that are listed there. Okay? The next thing you want to look for on your declaration sheet are your vehicles or vehicle. Be sure that it is listed and listed properly. Now, the first thing you want to look for is the year. Again, I'm saying this, and I know it might seem like, duh, mistakes happen, right? I mean, there are human beings involved in the process, so it doesn't hurt. Just take a peek and be sure that the year, make, model are accurate. Now, the, the declaration sheet will also show the VIN number, the V-I-N, which stands for Vehicle Identification Number. And you also want to be sure that that's accurate. I get it. You're not going to run around and check that, you know, and, and go back to your car and look for it or look on your vehicle registration every single time and be sure that you've got the right uh, vehicle ID number. So maybe check it once. And once you know that it's correct, it's okay. I'll give you a hint. The last six digits of the vehicle ID number are what actually identifies your specific vehicle. All of the other numbers before that actually identify the manufacturer, the model, the make, um, sometimes where the vehicle was manufactured. We have no way of decoding that. But I can tell you the last six digits are the digits that actually are unique to your car. So if you want to save time, just make sure that those are correct, okay? The next thing you want to do is take a look on there at the different coverage amounts and types of coverage you have. And let's go over each of them so you know what these coverage amounts are, what they mean, and if they're appropriate, if they're inappropriate. And then as we go through them, you might say, I don't see that one. And then maybe it's time to give your agent or broker a call and say, hey, um, why, why don't I have this? I, I think I should have this. So let's look at the first one, which is usually listed as liability insurance. Now, it's usually listed also as a split number. You'll see something that says 15,000 slash 30,000 or 100,000 slash 300,000, 250 slash 500,000, something like that. Now, there are also auto policies that are what are called combined single limit where it will just say liability 500,000. You don't see that very often. Um, and it's more common with commercial autos than personal autos. So for the sake of discussion, I'm going to assume since the vast majority of you uh, probably have a policy that just has uh, a number slash a number. So what does that mean? What does that represent? Let's start with that. The first thing is the first number, let's just say it's 100 slash 300 or 100,000 slash 300,000. What that's saying is in the event you're in a car accident, then the insurance company, again, I'm going to stop right now and tell you that I'm not going to say subject to the policy, subject to provisions, subject to blah, blah, blah. That goes without saying. So now that that's out of the way for everything else we're going to go over today. Um, oh, I thought we had a call and it came in and it disappeared. Can you imagine that? You get you get spam calls on the radio show. Who, who would have thought, right? Anyway, um, so you're going to see this 100,000 slash 300,000. Now, what does that mean? Okay, well, that means that in the event of an accident, the insurance carrier would pay. Let's say the other per people that are in their vehicle, uh, and there's two of them and they're both injured. The most that the insurance company will pay is up to $100,000 per person in the other vehicle, right? And a maximum, it doesn't matter if there's 10 people in the car, the most they're going to pay for bodily injury and the other subsequent coverages that go with liability is 300,000 for that accident. So 100,000 is the most that they'll pay for any one person. And no matter how many people there are, 300,000 is the most they will pay for all of them. Okay, so that covers the people 
in the car. Now, what about the car that you damage, right? And again, I know we're making some assumptions. It's your fault and all these other things. Just go with me on this, right? There's a num- another number directly below the liability that says property damage. Now, property damage is what's going to pay for the damage to the other vehicle. This is an important number. A lot of times you'll see 50,000, uh, 100,000, and you think, oh, tons of money. Let me tell you something. You damage a car these days and you can get to 50,000 like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. So I, I would say, and again, I don't know your specific situation, so I don't want to give direct advice, but I will say pay attention to that number because here's the secret. The difference in the actual cost between, let's say, 50,000 in property damage and $100,000 in property damage might be three or $4 a year right? Very, very minimal. So bump that number up is usually a good thing to do because cost-wise, it's super, super critical. What if you have an accident with more than one car? Again, you just have that property damage to pay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many cars. You might rear-end someone and then someone rear-ends you and it's your fault. Now you've got that one property damage limit that has to pay for all the damage to both vehicles. All right. So pay attention to that. So we have liability per person, liability per accident and property damage for the damage to the vehicles. And when we come back, we're going to go through the next uh, element that we should be looking for on our deck sheet. And once again, thank you for listening. This is Carl Sussman and you're listening to the Insurance Hour. California's insurance market can be challenging, but Sussman Insurance Agency knows the way. Trusted for two generations in home, auto, and personal insurance. Call 877-411-5200 or visit sussmaninsurance.com. Navigate with confidence. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Insurance Hour with your host, me, Carl Sussman. Thank you so much for being here with us. As you know, uh, you can catch me live uh, every Friday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. where I can take your questions live at 559-656-0317 or you can email your questions in to questions at insurancehour.com. Before we uh, took a break, we were talking about uh, the declaration sheet on an auto insurance policy and what it is you should be looking for, uh, what it is you should be paying attention to see. And we talked about liability and we talked about property damage. And the next thing I want to talk about is your vehicle, coverage for your vehicle, because you notice that first um, element we talked about has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with your vehicle. So let's get into that. The first thing you'll be looking for when we're talking about coverage for your actual vehicle is collision coverage. Now, collision coverage should say collision coverage, and it's normally followed by a deductible. The deductible is $500, $1,000, $1,500, something like that. The collision deductible is the deductible that you're going to pay in the event that the vehicle is damaged while in motion, generally speaking, okay? Well, what does that mean? Driving cars in motion, right? That's going to be covered. Uh, that's when you're looking for collision coverage under vehicle being in motion. That's the general way you're looking at it. Now, what does that deductible mean? Well, the deductible would be the amount uh, that ex- that you would be responsible for before the insurance company would start to pay out. Okay, so that's collision coverage. Now, there's an option for collision coverage that's called collision waiver. What does that mean? It's funny because now that I say it and I'm thinking about it, it sounds like you don't want collision coverage when, oddly enough, that's exactly not the case. Um, Collision coverage, collision waiver coverage is a provision that says that in the event you have an accident with somebody that does not have insurance, which sadly in California is is quite significantly high, then they will waive the deductible that you have. So again, you have an accident with someone else and they don't have insurance, then if you have this add-on to your collision portion of your insurance policy, they will waive your deductible. Pretty cool, right? So you'll see that under, it'll usually be called waiver or waiver of deductible or collision waiver of deductible, but it should be right around that same spot on your declaration sheet. Now, I have to tell you, um, I also do insurance expert witness work in complex litigation cases. And 
it, 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 it blows my mind how people don't all have this coverage, to be honest, because the cost could literally be a dollar a year, $2 a year. I mean, it's so insignificant. And most of the time, always quantifying, uh, if I see someone or, or I'm working during the day and I'm reviewing someone's coverage from another company and I don't see that, it's a red light. It's, it's a moment where I say, okay, somebody's not really been paying attention to this policy, right? Somebody's really not been, um, I hate to say not doing their job, not doing their job. Uh, they, they have not looked because to not have that, I mean, I suppose it's possible that you might, as a consumer, now that I've explained it to you, say, I won't pay that dollar for it, I guess. Um, but if you have an accident with, an, with another car and the guy's uninsured, the gal's uninsured, whatever it might be, you're going to be pretty pissed having to pay a deductible. And because it's so inexpensive, um, it's just hard to, to see not adding that coverage in there. Okay. So again, Everyone's situation is unique and different. However, I would say look to see if you are carrying that collision deductible waiver. And it might be something to talk to your broker or your agent about. Okay, so that's what happens. That's the coverage you're looking for for covering your vehicle in the event your vehicle is damaged while you're driving it or while it's being driven. Let's be even more generic, right? So what happens if somebody goes by with a key and keys your car? If somebody comes and damages your car, right? Um, or let's say there's, you know, a rock falls on it. I mean, any type of damage to your car all the way leading to fire, like it burns up or theft, somebody steals it. Any type of damage to the vehicle while it is not being used as a vehicle would fall under your comprehensive coverage, okay? And that's what it will say on the deck sheet. It'll say comp or comprehensive coverage or just comprehensive. And guess what? It should also be followed by a deductible. Now, there's no way to waive this deductible, unfortunately. So um, not that I'm aware of sitting here right now. So in the event of a loss for and damage to the vehicle while the vehicle is not in motion, you would be looking at thing uh, at the coverage line for comprehensive. Now, being insurance, there's always an exception, right? <laughs> you will actually get coverage for under your comprehensive coverage sometimes in the event the car is in motion with this one strange exception. Collision with an animal. I don't know why. I really don't know why. And it doesn't happen all the time. However, sometimes the insurance adjuster, um, if you, it's usually cattle. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, I'm just going to shrug. But it's one of those obscure things that if you collide with an animal, sometimes they will put that coverage instead of under collision because you're driving, uh, they'll put it under comprehensive. Don't ask me why. Maybe if you're, if there's an adjuster listening, they want to call in and, uh, give me some insight because I would love to know what the, what the rationale is or sort of what the thinking is behind that. Remember that you can call in right now at, uh, 559-656-0317. Any claims adjusters out there? Uh, let me know what, what is the genesis of that? Why is it that we decided for some reason that, oh, yes, collision is collision, comprehensive is comprehensive, unless you hit a bull. I don't know. Uh, so, but I just want you to be aware of that, that at times that can be the case. Uh, interesting, right? I know this is the sort of thing that you just, you lay awake at night pondering, what would happen if I have an accident with a bull? What type of coverage would I need on my auto policy? Uh, not maybe you're falling asleep counting sheep dream, but uh, at least there it is. You've got some, you've got a little, uh, a little bit of something bizarre to, to ponder. So that's, comprehensive coverage. So now we've covered liability, right? Property damage, which is injury to the other driver's people and damage to their vehicle. We've talked about collision coverage, right? Which is damage to your vehicle while the vehicle is in motion. And we've talked about comprehensive coverage, which is damage to your vehicle while the vehicle is not in motion. Now that can also be considered, uh, Theft, like I said, fire, theft. Now, obviously, if somebody steals it, they drive it away. You might say, well, that's collision. No, fire and theft is does always fall under the category of comprehensive. And I just said the word always, and I literally, it's like somebody stabs me in the back. 
I just can't ever say always uh, without having more detail, but you, you get the gist of it. So what what is there after that? Let's talk a little bit more about what other coverage types we should be looking for uh, on your policy declaration sheet when we come back. And again, if you have questions, please reach me at 559-656-0317 or email questions at insurancehour.com. Facing the maze of California's insurance market? Let Sussman Insurance Agency be your ally. Expertise in all personal insurance needs for over two generations. Call 877-411-5200 or visit sussmaninsurance.com. Together, we can do this. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Insurance Hour with your host, me, Carl Sussman. Now, before we move on, I want you to understand that there are lots of different options that you can get on an auto insurance policy. And we're just talking about a handful of them. Just because I don't mention it, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So if there's something specific you're looking for, reach out, talk to your insurance agent or broker and ask, say, can I get coverage for? Is it possible to have insurance on my vehicle for? Because you might be surprised. And like I said, the types of coverage that I'm going over today is by no means an exhaustive list of everything that's there. Having said that, let's go on to the next typical type of coverage you might see on your declaration sheet. Now, we talked about the fact that, uh, at least in California, an awful lot of people are uninsured. They're driving around, they don't have insurance. So there is coverage you can purchase called uninsured motorist coverage. All right, what does uninsured motorist coverage do? Well, you'll remember liability coverage will pay for the injury to the people in the other vehicle, right? So let's say that the other vehicle is uninsured. So they don't have liability to protect you and people in your car. So if you carry uninsured motorist coverage, it's just it's it's like you're carrying their liability insurance. So if you get hurt, people in your car get hurt, you can't work, whatever the case might be, you're going to the doctor, then your uninsured motorist coverage policy um, provision would in essence kick in at that point to pay for your injury or injury of people in your car. Uninsured motorist is listed just like liability, right? because it's the same type of coverage, meaning there'll be a split limit, 100,000 slash 300,000, right? 15,000 slash 30,000, you might just see 1530, it just depends. Now, here's something to pay attention to. And again, this is one of those times where when I'm reviewing policies, if I see it, it's a red light that you know flashes in my face that somebody may have not been paying attention. The limit of liability, right, the number that let's just call it 100,000 slash 300,000 in liability that you're carrying on your policy, right? You see it on your deck sheets, that first line. I would like to see that be the same limit that you carry on the uninsured motorist portion, right? Because what you're saying in essence is, well, I'm willing to pay, I'm willing to pay for insurance to cover the other guy for, let's just say up to 100,000 per person. Would you not want to have that same limit of coverage for yourself? The answer is probably yes. Uh, it's it's not likely that if you're going to purchase the coverage at all, you're going to say, yeah, I'll cover, I'll have a ton of coverage for the other guy, eh, but I'll just have a little bit for myself. Not usually the way it goes. So when I'm looking at a policy, if I see that somebody has, let's say, 100,000 slash 300,000, and then their uninsured motorist coverage is, 30,000 slash 60,000, I'll stop and say, whoa, they're carrying more coverage for the other guy than for themselves. And usually, again, usually, uh, that's because someone wasn't paying attention or somebody didn't understand, right? Um, sometimes when I'm talking with clients and they have, um, they've purchased coverage directly, then they might have not realized when they were checking the boxes online uh, or calling in or however it might get done, uh, what that even was. And it was less expensive to go with a lower number. And they figured, I don't know what it is, whatever. And they just did it. Again, uninsured motorist coverage, you would like that to be, I would think, in general terms, to be the same limit that you're carrying for liability. So take a look at your declaration sheet. If your uninsured motorist is the same limit as your liability limit, thumbs up from me. If it's lower, maybe give it some thought. 
talk to your agent or broker, think about what I'm saying. Because again, if you have an accident with someone that does not have insurance, you want to be sure you're still protected, right? I mean, you want to be protected, period. So if you get injured in an accident, you want to either have their insurance liability pay for your pain, suffering, medical. And if they don't have it, you want to be sure that you've got it on your policy to do it, right? That's uninsured motorist. Important, right? Um, If you don't see uninsured motorists on your declaration sheet at all, uh, that would give me pause. Um, That might be something you want to stop and think about. Again, maybe it wasn't explained to you, or maybe you just didn't know what it meant um, when you bought the policy, if you bought it directly. I'll tell you how important it is. In the state of California, uninsured motorist is such an important coverage that there's a specific form that the California Department of Insurance mandates that every insurance company have you sign that says you were offered uninsured motorist, that you either accepted it or declined it, And this might sound familiar. If you accepted it, if you're asking for a limit lower than your liability coverage, that's how important uninsured motorist coverage is, that the Department of Insurance actually has a specific form that's mandatory that must be listed, that must be included with every auto insurance policy. Okay, the Department of Insurance is is there to protect you. It's the consumer's. Uh, oversight, you could look at it that way, right? So if for some reason you're in a situation where you do not have uninsured motorist coverage at all, um, I think it's safe to say that you definitely want to stop and, and research that. Again, I always have to quantify. If you deliberately just said no and you make that choice, okay. Um, however, again, it's been my experience that that's a pretty important one to have, Okay. So we've talked about liability, we've talked about property damage, we've talked about uninsured motorist, we've talked about collision, we've talked about comprehensive, and we've even talked about the waiver of collision coverage. Is there a quiz? Uh, Remember, the waiver of collision says in the event that the other driver does not have insurance, they will waive the deductible that you have on your collision policy. All right. So we've gone over some of the main ones. Now, when we come back, we're going to go over some additional coverage options that are available on auto policies that some I would say are very important. Some are maybe and some are just personal opinion. Right. They really just depends on what your level of risk tolerance is. Right. What are you willing to out of pocket versus what do you want to pay in premium? And, And it's really up to you. And we'll go over those when we come back in just a second. In a tough California insurance market, you need expert guidance. Trust Sussman Insurance Agency with a legacy of understanding complex coverage needs. Call 877-411-5200 or visit sussmaninsurance.com. Treating clients like family for two generations. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Insurance Hour with me, your host, Carl Sussman. And and again, you can catch me live uh, every Friday morning, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., Call me up at 559-656-0317 and I will be happy to put you on the air and we can chat about your insurance related questions. So what's another type of coverage that you can have? Well, your auto insurance policy has a different type of coverage called medical payments. Okay, it's like full stop. Wait, didn't we already say that liability pays for medical bills and If there is no liability from the other guy, then uninsured motors would pay for medical bills. So what is this medical payments thing? Let me explain. Medical payments is a no fault, no questions asked, no lawsuits payment for medical bills only. Meaning you slam your thumb in the door. You need to, you know, get treatment. This is for people that are in your vehicles, for your people in your car. It's not for the other vehicle. This is for you and for people in your car. And it's going to pay for medical bills only. Whereas liability will pay for things like loss of wages, pain and suffering. Medical payments does not do any of those things. It's sort of the the friendly liability, right? We're not suing. We're not getting pain and suffering. We're not out of work. 
But something happened and you need to get some stitches. You need to be, you know, get the doctor bills paid. And this is just a very simple, um, like I said, no fault for the majority of the time, I would say. Uh, insurance carriers don't even rate based on that. So if you had an accident and the only thing paid out was medical payments, they typically won't surcharge you for that, which is really nice. Um, you can imagine if you have an accident and they're paying out a lot of money in liability coverage, probably going to affect your rate later. Uh, medical payments typically is not one of those things. So it's going to pay just for medical bills. Now, what does it cost? Uh, it's not expensive. And if you don't see it on your policy, it's worth checking into because again, it's, it is relatively inexpensive. You might look on your declaration sheet and see $1,000, $5,000, that's, again, one of those things where I would say, well, somebody's probably not looked at this policy in a while because when's the last time you've gone into the hospital or gone to the doctor, uh, forget having insurance, and $1,000 would have covered everything? Probably not. So you might want to look into having higher limits for medical payments. Now, you're, you're, you, sh- you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, I have health insurance. There used to be a type of medical payments. It was called coordinated medical payments, I don't think it's offered anymore, that would only pay in the event that you did not have health insurance or it would fill in the gap between what your health insurance was paying and and the bills you were getting. They, I don't think they offer that. If you see coordinated medical payment on your declaration sheet, whoa, I would immediately call your broker and say, what in the d- dickens is this? Uh, I think I just want medical payments. It's a little more money, a few dollars. But that's what you want. That's probably what you think you have anyway. And again, coordinated medical is it's an oldie, but uh, I don't even know if it's a goodie. It's an older one for sure. So medical payments is important because it's simple to use. It's uh, like I said, it's no fault. You don't have to provide. uh, Well, you slammed the door or, you know, you did this. It it just pays. I'll give you a a real life example. homeowners policies also have medical payments. And when my niece was little, my niece who just got married, when my niece was a baby, she was at our house and she was running around and she chipped and fell and she chipped a tooth, right? Um, fortunately, it's a, it was a baby tooth, so we didn't have to be too concerned. But she had to go to the pediatric dentist and have it looked at and, and do whatever they do. Well, my sister wasn't going to sue me, right? She didn't want to file a claim against me for negligence or anything like that. So they when they put a claim in on our homeowner's policy that was just for medical payments because that's all she needed. She just wanted to have it pay for the dentist. And it did. And open and shut, case closed, They it was taken care of. It was like a no, no-brainer. So medical payments is one of those types of coverage that really can make things more streamlined, right? It can make things a lot easier in the event that there's a claim. Um, again, depending on the type of claim. I'm not married to it. You know, if somebody says, I just don't want that coverage, I've got health insurance and I'm not spending more money on my car insurance. I don't care about the other people in the car. I just, whatever. I mean, I will offer it. It's something you should consider. Uh, but it's one of those things that I could probably argue both ways. Right. But again, you need to have the education and the understanding of what the coverage is, because you're the one that has to decide whether you want it or not. Right. Not anybody else. You have to decide. So that's medical payments. So we've talked about liability. We've talked about property damage. We've talked about uninsured motorists. We've talked about collision coverage. We've talked about comprehensive coverage and we've talked about um, medical payments. How could there possibly be more? Believe it or not, there's more. There are a lot of other things. So let's talk about something called gap insurance, uh, lease loan gap insurance or gap payment or um, lender protection, lease protection. All sorts of names come up when it comes to uh, this particular coverage. So what in the world is it? Now, I'm just going to generically call it gap coverage. Okay, so. When you buy a car and you drive it off the lot, brand spanking new, right? Shiny as can be, salesmen are back there patting themselves on the back, and you've got your brand new car. It has depreciated probably 7 to 10% before you get to the first stoplight. That's just the way vehicles work. 
Suffice it to say that the value of your vehicle is decreasing over time. Okay. Now, when you drive that car off the lot, you have, let's say, a loan on it or you've leased it. Right. Now, depending on how well you negotiated with the car salespeople, you might have gotten a good deal. You might have gotten a bad deal, mediocre deal. Just depends. Right. Let's assume you just got an average deal. And three months later, the vehicle is totaled. Uh, totaled is a term. That's a fancy term. It means that the vehicle now would cost more money to repair than it would than its actual value. Okay, And when that happens, the insurance company has the provision in the policy. Most policies have this where they'll say we're totaling it. Now, sometimes that can be a little frustrating because you're like, but my car can be fixed. Yeah, but if it's going to cost more to fix it, then it would be, in essence, for the value of the car. The Kelly Blue Book, if you're familiar with Kelly Blue Book, the generic, generally accepted value of your vehicle, then the insurance carrier, in, like I said, in, in almost all auto policies have this provision that say it's up to them. They can decide whether they repair or I say replace. It's not replace. That's something else. But they can either cash you out by repairing the car or giving you the value of the of the car, whichever is less. Right. So let's assume that this has just happened. You've had this accident and you have the car is totaled. And the value of that car is $40,000. That's what Kelly Blue Book, that's what, if you look online, you want to get a similar car, you know, as close to the type you had, it's about 40 grand. However, the amount you have outstanding on your loan for the vehicle or your lease is 45,000. Well, without having this provision, this gap provision, the insurance carrier is only obligated to pay the value of the car. So here's your 40 grand. Have a nice day. Sorry for the accident. Now you've got a $5,000 gap between what the insurance has paid and what you owe on the vehicle, which is a bit of a problem, right? So if you have this gap coverage or lease loan gap or whatever it might be called, it will pay that difference for you. Very important. It's probably one of the most important coverages you should be looking for outside of those, you know, first handful that we went through because even if you are the best negotiator, the minute you drive that new car off the lot, it is going to be worth less than it was the minute you bought it. That's just the way it works. And the more time that goes by, the wider that gap gets, the more potentially you would need to have that gap coverage in the event that the car is totaled. All right. Now, we were talking about cashing you out based on what the average value of that particular car is. There are other options of ways to get your car insured where it's not just that average value. And we will talk about that as soon as I come back in just a minute. Master the California insurance marketplace with Sussman Insurance Agency. Two generations of insight make us your ideal ally. Call 877-411-5200 or visit sussmaninsurance.com for information on your insurance policies now. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Insurance Hour with, you guessed it, Carl Sussman, your host. Uh, before we took our break, uh, we were talking about what you find on your declaration page for an automobile insurance policy. And hopefully by now you're, you've had some aha moments, right? You've either looked at your policy declaration sheet and thought, uh-oh, or you've looked at it and you've thought, oh yeah, oh yeah, I've done it right, I've paid attention, or somewhere in between. I'm going to go over a few other items, and I promised you that there was another way you could get coverage to replace your vehicle, or in essence, to cash you out of your vehicle, other than the Kelly Blue Book, what's the average vehicle, um, that average vehicle price going for in the open market. And there's an option called re vehicle replacement cost. <laughs> I know, we're not very creative sometimes in our industry. What does that mean? Well, pretty much what it sounds like. When you first buy a new car, remember this doesn't work if you're buying a used car, you can pay a little extra to get a provision that in the event the vehicle is in an accident or totaled, right? We know that phrase now. It means that the value of the vehicle is less than it would cost to repair it. The insurance carrier will pay to actually purchase a new vehicle. 
Ooh, sounds pretty cool. Now you don't have that potential gap, number one. And number two, you don't have the potential, even if you own the car outright, of getting a check that's not enough to buy a new car. This is, is look at it like replacement cost coverage for your vehicle. Now, many insurance companies have different provisions for this. They have different ways that it's offered. Um, how, how long is it that you can take to purchase it when you buy your new car? How many years does it stay on the policy after you have the car? Some of them a few years, some of them longer, some less. So this is one, again, you really want to talk to your insurance agent or broker about. This is one to talk with your insurance agent about because it's something that if you are purchasing a new car or you've recently purchased or leased a new car, you, you want to find out about this. Uh, actually, I don't know that it would pr- it would do much for a lease, uh, but I do believe I, I know it would definitely help you out in the event of a vehicle that you have purchased. Right. Whether you have a loan or not, uh, you want to be able to know that in the event that the car is totaled, that you'll get a new car. Right. And this is the best way to provide for that. So what else? What other coverages can we look at? Well, this is a fun one. It's called rental car coverage. It's probably one of the most misunderstood coverages that you'll see. Now, if you look on your deck sheet and you see rental or rental car or rental car coverage, uh, it's listed with two things next to it, a dollar amount and then sometimes a slash and a day count. If it doesn't have the day count, then you can usually go under the assumption that it's for one month. Or if it doesn't have a day count, you can go under the assumption that there is a period of time that it will expire. It's not going to go on indefinitely. I'm not aware sitting here right now of any rental reimbursement policy that's going to pay forever. Okay. Now the first number, the dollar amount is how much will they pay for a rental car? Okay. Pause. Understand. And this is what makes it the most, I think one of the most misunderstood coverages. When you get rental car coverage, this is for if the vehicle is in a, is, has a claim, a car accident, something happens, right? And you need to get a replacement vehicle, a rental car while you're waiting for your car to be repaired. This does not pay when you go on vacation and rent a car. So back to where we were, you'll see a dollar amount listed by the rental car coverage, right? $20, $30, $40, $100. Different insurance companies offer different limits. Now, um, I'm going to age myself a little bit. It used to be you could get $20 a day rental car and you could go to the rental car company and some of them have arrangements with the insurance carriers where they'll accept x dollars and give them a similar car to what they have and 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 life was good Uh, it's gotten a lot different these days Uh, if you don't see at least 40 or 50 dollars listed by your rental car amount it might be worth giving the insurance agent a broker a call now if you see 30 you can probably get away with it don't expect to get you know a big expensive car because that's just not going to happen for $30 a day. The cost of rental car coverage has gone up, just like the cost of vehicles has gone up and everything has gone up. So be aware that rental car coverage, that dollar amount, that's what they're going to pay you every day, okay? So all in, taxes, all that stuff. So look at that number and decide, is that going to get me a vehicle that I would be comfortable driving? Make that decision, right? Have that knowledge to be able to make that decision, um, not have it made for you. Rental car coverage is one to look for. Now, some people don't carry it. They'll say, well, I have an extra car. You know what, if the car is in an accident, you know, I work from home half the time, or I can just tell my boss I'll work from home, or my wife and I will just, you know, share a car for a while. You know, these are all legitimate options that you can take if you have to decide on just you know what it costs and you're like you know what it's just not cost effective for me to have that coverage on top of everything else i get it now keep in mind let's say there's a car accident you're in and it's the other person's fault clearly indisputable they did something and your car is damaged and it's going to take two weeks before it's repaired it's not unreasonable and it's not un uh, and, and it does happen frequently where you go to that other insurance company and you say, hey there, I need a car. 
and they'll pay to rent you a car because it's their fault, right? They will deal with that. Now, again, it's you're rolling the dice, right, to be sure that uh, if you don't have rental car coverage and you have an accident and it's their fault and they don't dispute it and they're willing to pay for a rental car. A lot of, lot of hops there, but it does happen. Um, I mean, there are times, believe it or not, when it's pretty clear cut who's at fault. Nobody argues. And the insurance company says, okay, it's our client's fault and they'll pay to repair your car and they'll get you a rental car and they'll pay for your medical bills. They'll just do whatever needs to be done. It does happen. So just because you don't have rental car coverage, it's not a guarantee that you might not be able to get funds for a rental car somewhere else. It's just not, there's just no guarantee. Another one that you can look for uh, on your deck sheet you might see is roadside assistance. This is an interesting one because a lot of vehicles now come with this sort of add-on when you when you get the vehicle of roadside assistance. Uh, they just do. So you want to check first, see, do you already have that coverage, right? And if not, it tends to be pretty inexpensive to get. Keep in mind also with uh, roadside assistance that there are limitations. And I can't tell you how it'll look on your policy because there I, I've just seen it so many ways. Sometimes it will have, list just a dollar amount and they'll say, hey man, this is what we're paying if there's if you need it, period, the end. Sometimes they'll say, well, we'll pay for a tow, but only X miles from your house. That might be difficult if you're on vacation um, or X miles, period. Right. So if you're stuck in the middle of the of nowhere and it's 30 miles you know, to the nearest mechanic and the policy says they'll only tow you for 10 miles, you got a problem. So roadside assistance is one of those things that it's it's a little bit it's a little bit hard to generalize like I've been doing for all of the other coverages. I just want you to be aware that it's there and it's it's possible and that it's something you should be aware of and make the decision whether it's something you want to have or or not have. All right. Now, sometimes you will get a vehicle and you will do some extra stuff to it. Right. Uh, I know when I was a kid and uh, I had my first car, my first car, it was an 85 Ford LTD wagon beige station wagon. It was super cool. You can imagine everyone thought I was super cool with that car. But let's face it, it didn't have, it definitely did not have the cool factor. So to try and give it the cool factor and to try and make it a little bit fancier and, and you know, when you're that age, what's important to you when you're driving? Music. So I spent some money to put in bigger speakers, an equalizer. God, does, do people even know what these, these things are anymore? I don't know. I put in an, a special stereo, special cassette player, fancy stuff, right? Now, the car was insured. How would the vehicle, how would the insurance company know that I spent, let's just say, $500 or $1,000 to do these upgrades to the car? How would they know that I've added this stereo system to it? The answer is they would have no way of knowing unless you tell them. Now, of course, people would say, oh, they're going to want more money. I don't want to tell them, but what? Okay. You don't have to tell them. And if you don't, just don't expect there to be any compensation for it in the event of a loss. I mean, that's sort of a general rule, right? It's like when people say, oh, I don't want to add that driver. They're going to cost, they're just going to charge me for it. Mm, yeah. And uh, that's how it works. If you don't want to tell them and you don't want to pay premium, don't expect to have them covered. Pretty simple. So when it comes to things that you've added on to the vehicle, two things can happen. Well, three. One is you tell nobody and you're on your own, right? Two is you, you let your insurance broker or agent know and they say, okay, there's an endorsement, which is just a funny, uh, uh, fancy name for a change. There's a change we can make to your policy, right? Which would come on your what? Your declaration sheet. There's a change we can make and we will add, how much did you put into it? And you say, I don't know, two grand, three grand. And they say, okay, we can put a provision in there that says that on top of the vehicle's value, there's two or three thousand dollars, whatever it is. And it's cheap. I mean, two, three dollars cheap again. We're not talking about expensive add-ons typically for this type of thing, right? Now, if you start doing really fancy things, you're putting in five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars on top of what you've done to your car, you've gotten, you know, an expensive 
vehicle wrap, which seems to be a thing these days, right? Or um, I've seen custom convertibles made, you know, which I can't fathom, but people spend all kinds of money on their car. I'm not a real car person, so it's hard for me to get really excited about it, but I can respect people that are and, and they want to spend a lot of money on their vehicles. So if you've done that, uh, you'll need to let the insurance carrier know because you're going to want to be able to be sure if there's a loss that you get reimbursed for that, right? That's part of the valuation for your car. So I said there were several ways. One was not to say anything. Two was to tell them and they would make, you know, an adjustment on your policy that would for that additional coverage. For the larger things, you might want to look for what's called a stated value policy. Now, a stated value auto insurance policy basically takes an entire different product. Remember I said in the beginning that all insurance policies have just the policy and then the deck sheet is what makes it unique to you. This is a different policy, right? And what this policy does in essence is it says, okay, we are deciding that the vehicle is worth $80,000. And if there's a loss, you're getting $80,000, period. As you can expect, um, these types of policies are more expensive. And, um, I only consider them when people have said that they're putting significant dollars or, you know, I take it back. It's not even the dollars they put in. Usually it's, it's because the car is unique, right? It's a collector's item. Um, it, it's a one of a kind vehicle and they know that the value of it is far more than the value of its parts, right? Because it's a, you know, particular year it's a particular model it's in special you know awesome shape all these good things so that would be a separate policy type altogether that you would get it's called a stated value policy all right so that sums that sort of sums up the main coverage types and the main types of things you should be looking for on your auto insurance declaration page there are other coverage types, there are other limits, and as the pun would be, your mileage may vary, but it's important that you know what's available, and it's important that you at least have a general idea of what it is that you have, what it is that you can get, and what it is that you want to have when it comes to auto insurance coverage for you. And with that, I do want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen today. I know insurance is not necessarily the most sexy concept. It's not the most exciting thing in the world. It is important that you understand what it is you're getting, what you should be looking for, red flags, you name it. You just need to know more than you used to. Things are more complicated than they used to be. If you have any questions, please reach out to me directly. You can email your questions to questions at insurancehour.com or call and leave a voicemail at 559 559- 6560317 educating and entertaining Californians one insurance policy at a time this is insurance hour the show is dedicated to Shamrock Papa